Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today started training with Ed Parker in February of 59 and has been involved with martial arts ever since. He was the fourth person ever promoted to black belt by Mr. Parker, and in September of 81 was promoted to seventh degree black belt by Mr. Parker. He was the first person in the Kempo community to design, develop, and implement a complete distant learning program. He wrote, directed, and acted in a feature-length movie and has acted in others. He's written a book and also has a passion for sculpting. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Chuck Sullivan. How are you doing today, sir? Wonderful. I appreciate your time. I know you're, you're one of the people, when I when I first launched this podcast, you were on my list. And I, I talked to you, you'll obviously never remember this, but we talked one time before probably... 20, 25 years ago when I had, uh, I, I kind of told you before we started recording, I had lived in California and trained some American Kempo. And when I heard about the karate connection and stuff, I had actually reached out to you and, and, and had the conversation with you and stuff. And I think I actually still have one or two of the VHS tapes. <laughs> So on a, ah. on a shelf somewhere. So VHS, yeah. probably more than 25 years, actually. <laughs> Been a little while. But so, yeah, I truly appreciate your time, and, and I'm looking forward to this. What we do with all my guests, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know, you know, I mentioned that you started with Mr. Parker in 59, but I want to know wh where that first spark came from, that first interest that kicked off your martial arts journey. Well, that's kind of funny because I had always had a desire to learn judo. And uh, because karate was unknown completely, there was no such thing. The word itself, not, it was just one around any place. I, I never heard it, never, never dreamed of it. And I, I really had a, like I say, a desire to learn judo. And I actually had taught my mother into taking me into a judo school in Chicago. There was a judo school that was parallel or level with the elevated platform on one of the stops. And you would look right into the place. And, and we, I actually got her to go into the, in there. And uh, the poor guys could barely speak English. And I'm sure they could have made a lot more money had they been able to just kind of explain what they were doing. But uh, he kind of looked at me and, and one of the instructors, and he says, oh, uh, skinny. Uh, well, I'll bit up his neck. <laughs> and, and my mother thought, that's not going to look very good. His is a big, big neck and a skin little. So we never went back. Oh, wow. And, but, so that was my, that was my experience then. But, but had I been able to go, I would have, I would, I know I would have loved it. So where well, did you first uh, heard about judo? I'm curious. Where did, where did that interest well, come from? Well, judo uh, was, was common in, um, it's common knowledge, really, in, in the 40s. Okay. Where everybody, I mean, not everybody, I guess, but I mean, I, I knew about it, what it was, and so on. It was, to me, it was just a mysterious uh, Asian art. And and I knew that it involved hurting people and uh, <laughs> throwing them and, and so on. And and, and I just I was intrigued by it. So now we've moved up to uh, February of uh, 1959. Okay. And I was out of the Marine Corps for... Uh, so I got out in uh, 54. So I was out five, almost five years to the day. Wow. I mean, it, it, things were happening 
in February, uh, I got drafted in February. Therefore, I got released in February. I started karate in February. I bought my first business in February. I mean, it was just, <laughs> February is a big month. It's a good month for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. Tell you, in and a couple, a couple of weeks, you should buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. Not bad. I, I, I probably will. Anyway, uh, my brother-in-law came home. He was just out of the Marine Corps. And... Um, and he came home one night. He was living with us until he got situated and so on. And uh, and he said, did you know there's a judo school up on Tweedy Boulevard, which is the boulevard in Southgate, uh, mm-hmm. Bay Boulevard. And I said, no, but I will I will check that out immediately. So I went right over there. And, and I he told me where it was. It's two and a half blocks to the house. I can walk. But nobody walks in Southern California. <laughs> anyway, I got over there. And I, I'm looking in the window. The place was closed. And I'm looking in the window. And there's, a couple, there's mats on the floor. There's a desk and a chair and a little divider. And that was it. A couple of pictures on the wall. And I thought, well, I got to come back when it's open. And there was somebody behind me. Two guys leaning against a car fender. And one of them says, you interested in that? I turn around and say, so two young guys. And I say, yeah, yes, I am. How much are the judo lessons? Because that's the first thing I asked about anything. Mm-hmm. How much did it cost? Yep. <laughs> because that determined whether I could or would be able to do it or not. And, and he said, well, we don't teach judo here. Well, I look up on the on the, on the, the roof of the building, and there's a great big sign that says J-U-D-O. <laughs> the sign on the window says J. So I said, uh, oh, that's kind of interesting. I said, well, what's – there was some more writing in the window. And I said, well, what's this Aikido? And he kind of chuckled. He said, well, that's Aikido. <laughs> And I said, well, what is it? And we don't teach that either. <laughs> so now I'm looking around for Alan Funt <laughs> with his candy camera. All right, nice. they're punking me. They don't teach Aikido. They don't teach you. And there was, there was one more word in gold leaf on the, on the window. And I said, all right, K-A-R-A-T, I'll give it a shot. What is karate? <laughs> and, and he said, no, that's karate. And I said, oh, that's what? Karate. And I said, ah, I said, uh, what? Karate. I said, what is it? And he says, it's a strike yard. And I, oh, okay. So is boxing. Uh, you know, and, and uh, striking yard. Well, he said, would you like to see something? I said, well, yes, I would. So we, uh, he had a key, and he was the, the caretaker for Blessed's guy. Mm-hmm. And we walked into, into the place. And now I'm 27 years old at this time. I'm not a kid. I'm not some wide-eyed 16-year-old that can be, you know, easily uh, impressed. And he's, he's showing me stuff, and I'm thinking, I do not want to mess with this dude <laughs> under any circumstance. I mean, this that was some nasty. My God, they're kicking him in the grind. Really? Poking him in. Oh, my. Wow. So uh, I, I at first I was like, oh, you know, you don't throw anybody. anybody. I'm not going to throw anybody through a plate glass. Literally. No, no, we don't do that. <laughs> we sweep them. And, well, what's that? And he showed me. I, oh, I like that. So I said, well, can I see it? Can I watch a class? Uh, of course. So I was there the, the next, the following, whatever night it was, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Thursday. And I was there that next time they had a class. And Jimmy E. Brow was teaching a class. He's a brown belt. And I th- that was it. I was sold. I said, oh, okay. Where do I sign up? And he said, well, come back when, <laughs> great salesman. Come back when, when Ed Parker. <laughs> uh, who's Ed Parker? Well, he's, he owns the school. Okay. So I, I came back the next night. Now. Huh. <laughs> I thought Jimmy Ebrow was for something. <laughs> Holy mackerel. When Ed Parker moved, I want to tell you, there was electricity bouncing off the walls. When he when he moved, you could feel the energy go through the floor, into the walls, and crap. And I, I said, oh, 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 oh. i got to get me some of this. <laughs> As it turned out, I got me a whole bunch of it. <laughs> And I signed up, and it's about as at that time I was taking some night classes at um, 
at uh, Compton College. Okay. And uh, I couldn't go both nights, Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday, or Monday, whichever it was. And so uh, I signed up for one night a week, and it cost me $6.25. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, but I tell you, twelve fifty a month equates today to about one hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah, so twelve fifty a month was, uh, well, you know, was it was it was some money. Yeah, uh, back in fifty nine. So anyhow, I was coming into one night a week, and I, I just that was it. I mean, I just I was I was hooked. Well, it's kind of interesting also how the school was there because it wasn't there for long. It was in, uh, initiated by a, an Air Force sergeant who would open the school wherever he was, and then he would leave his top student in charge when he let get reassigned. Okay. And um, he was teaching. Uh, he was teaching Aikido, and um, he was reassigned before he had a student eligible or capable of taking the school. So he got in touch with Ed Parker. And he said, "You want to buy the school?" And uh, Ed Parker came down, looked at it, this little hole in the wall place. But he said, uh, I'll put on demonstrations for your students and see how many want to switch over. Well, from what I understand, they all switched over. Nice. <laughs> all they had to do was see him move, and that was it. They wow. was like, what am I doing with this Aikido? <laughs> wow. And anyhow, they, uh, so it was only there for a few months because you can't run a business five nights. You're only there two, four nights a week, and you're only there for four hours. Yeah. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. So the place closed up with oh couple of months of when I started. So it was only two and a half blocks away, became 26 miles or so on the <sighs> surface street between Southgate and Pasadena. Wow. So for two days a week, I'd get home, have dinner, and then get in my car and scoot off to Pasadena. And, uh, and that that was until, let's see, until I made Black Belt, 62. And then um, then I said, uh, well, Ed and I, I both agreed that, uh, I mean, I had I was a barber. I had yeah. a, I had a perfect opportunity to talk to guys all day long, mm-hmm. and and I, I thought I talked Kempo to everybody, and and but who's going out of Pasadena? From uh, I was at uh, in Southwest Los Angeles, this bizarre shop was, and um, I just I couldn't get guys to go that far. So I said, Ed, we ought to open a place right, you know, in my area, which we did, and uh, that was it was an error on on my part, and at the same time, I've made. I've still got three guys with me that are, are active today from the 60s. Wow. So you got to figure there's a bunch of old dudes doing this in my place. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so that that's how that uh, the, the beginning came about. Wow. So so think back to those first, you know, handful of classes. Yeah, obviously, you talked about just Mr. Parker and and the way he moved and how, how much of that had an impact. What was it about the style for you personally? What was it about Kempo that completely changed your mind to stop looking at judo? You know, what was it that drew you into Kempo? Well, just seeing it and finding out what it was. I mean, that just knowing what it was, was enough, right? Uh, discovering it. Uh, that's all I had to do. And uh, now because of the, of where I was and when I was there and how, how long I've been, I would have been able to study with anybody in the world. I mean, that was in in the Los Angeles area, which is the mecca of uh, karate in the United States, really, in Southern California. That's where it started with Ed Parker, and that's where everybody came, Nishiyama, Yama, and all that. They all came here, and and then they branched off from there. So because I saw everything there was to see, and I've seen some good stuff, and I'm the biggest thief in the world. Man, I'll steal. If I see it and I like it, it's mine. Nice. I don't care what system it is. I don't care what style it is. We've got Shotokan in our system. We've got uh, uh, Kung Fu. We, oh, boy. If it's uh, if it's worth anything, I'm, it's there. Because uh, just because it's some similar style or system doesn't make any difference to me. And knowing enough about 
self-defense and what it is and the mechanics of it and the philosophy of it and everything, it's easy to figure out what to do. Right. You, you don't have to be taught. You know, now I did one night, does his name George Waite ring a bell to you? Yes. Okay. Well, George was in my class at over in West LA and George would run you down with that Shotokan blitz. I mean, he, he was, he was deadly with it mm-hmm. and we were going to be, we were going to be freestyle. And, and finally I just, I said, George, come on out here and teach us that. And I, I figured I could figure it out, but why, why, why should I bother when I got <laughs> yeah. the, I got a source right here yep. and he was, he was so good. And he did, he was very, very gracious. And he taught us exactly. We, we call it the bonsai run in our nice. system. Very cool. And, and it's a, it's just a blitz, man. I mean, I got another great story about that, yeah. about the blitz. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. There was a, uh, a young, um, a Japanese band, Ben Otaki, was studying with Ed Parker when I went to Pasadena. And I was only there for, I think, I think two or three, three or four nights. And Ben was getting drafted at that time. And he went, he went off to the army. Well, when he came back from the army, somehow he got hooked up with Tony Tolders. And he was with Tony Tolders. So he didn't go back to Parker. He just, whatever happened, happened. And, and he was, and he was with Tony Tolders. Now we're at a tournament one day. And uh, some guy from Japan, that had been to Japan, and learned so short of time, or I guess we should have. And uh, uh, he was he was espousing how great the system was, and he, he wanted to demonstrate. So he he picked a, a guy out of the audience. He, he sort of volunteered. He got you. <laughs> so the guy gets out and he says, "Now I'm going to show you." Something. So he, he put a blitz on the guy. Well, he ran him for he ran him out of the ring and two more rings over. And the poor guy was like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> he, he just wait a minute. He was just kicking and punching and punching. I mean, the guy was just running as backwards as, as fast as he could. He still was getting tagged. Wow! So then he picks another guy, and he does the same thing with him. Well, then he picked Ben Otaki, <laughs> and because I'll never forget it, I knew who he was, and he he starts his blitz and, and puts it right out there, and he, he flattens the guy. I mean, he takes <laughs> it right off his feet and dumps it on his ass. Wow. And the crowd went wild. <laughs> That's awesome. It just, oh, God, it was great. It was just wonderful. It just, it was like, you might get away, well, get away with it once. You might get away with it twice. If you ain't getting away with it three times <laughs> in a row, you just gave yourself up. You just told everybody what you're going to do. That's awesome. So, Ben, I'll tell you, did what, that's another one of our te- techniques called up the circle. Okay. All you do is, is it works beautifully against a big taekwondo kick mm-hmm. when they carry you in half of that, that roundhouse kick. Because all you do is, is your rear foot moves backward, but not backward. It moves in a, in a circuit of motion coming up, and it, it puts you in a position to get out of the way, get a little distance, and put your fist out right in the guy's face as, he's, uh, as he kicks. He can still hit you, but it loses about 90% of his steam to kick those. Nice. Yep, it, uh, it it's just it's a beautiful it's, it's a beautiful thing when uh, when they get foolish enough to uh, to pull them back in. Yeah, that is cool. So, did you ever get involved in the competition side of things yourself? I was too old at the time. Well, twenty seven years old by the time I got my black belt, I was almost 30, 31 years old. These other kids were coming up like 19, 20, 21. I did uh, I did compete. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did okay. I did uh, I took second place in uh, black belt in uh, the first international championships. Nice. Yeah, I had to fight Danny and Asaro. Wow, that's <laughs> kind of cool. One of my students. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, one of my students at the time. And I don't know if he kind of let down a little bit or what, but uh, I don't think so. I think he was trying. <laughs> but, uh, no, oh, God, let me tell you, that, that first international championship, if we got enough time and we were get that far into the conversation, I can tell you about that, and, and it was <sighs> It was brutal. Yeah. I've oh, been to, I've been to one of them. I, I got to go to the 1995 one. That's when I decided I was moving to California after driving out and just to go mm. watch that. And 
Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, uh, well, that was like the early days. Obviously, no. I mean, that was after Mr. Parker oh, was gone God. and stuff. But yeah, and I've heard stories from many, many people about the, the glory days of that tournament. And it'd be yeah, it so was a cool. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty bloody. In fact, I was standing next to Ed and we're just observing. And there was, there was like eight rings going on. And um, there was a guy walking through the, the rings. He's in civilian clothes suit, and he's walking up to the thing, and he finally gets to us, and he says, "Mr. Parker, he found, I found out he was the tournament doctor. I didn't know him at the uh, at that time." Mm-hmm. And uh, and he says, "Mr. Parker, he says you got to do something about the control here." He says, "I just counted eight knockouts walking across the floor." <laughs> wow. Well, what was happening in those days? This was '64. Uh, you were taking two two male adults. That were, were probably already pretty bad guys to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, pretty bad dudes. And you're teaching them sophisticated fighting. <laughs> well, a lot of the schools were teaching. I got a deviate here and one just right here because at the end of the, at the end of the day, I had three guys walk up to me and they said, "We want to thank you." And I said, "You're welcome." For what? What? What did I do? And he said, "No, we want to thank you for teaching us how to block." These guys don't know anything about blocking. <laughs> they get they're just killing each other. None of my people got hurt. None of them. They didn't all win, but nobody got hurt. Because cool. they could block. They knew how to block. And oh my God, that's, a, that's like one of the first things you learn. Yep. Punching, kicking, blocking. <laughs> wow. So anyhow, with uh, with, with the uh, getting back to the uh, to the tournament, mm-hmm. you got adult males to begin with who are probably pretty free. They want to learn how to fight. They, they probably don't already know how. And you teach them some sophisticated stuff, but you don't teach them how to block. Well, you got two animals going at each other. It's just, just, it was brutal. It really was because that, that was one of the things I found that they were very, very light on was self-defense. Mm-hmm. They were very offensive, but uh, their defensive skills weren't very good at all. So it, it got a lot better later, obviously. But wow! So then you were yeah. th- you were there when uh, Bruce Lee did his famous demonstration. Yep. How was oh, yeah. that? How was that yeah, to see in person? It was well. Who knew who he was? I well, yeah. I knew who he was because I'd met him before. Right. We were on a first name basis, and uh, you want to hear about that one? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. And I met Bruce Lee. Well, Bruce Lee came down to our to the studio, the Pasadena Dojo, with Ed Parker, and uh, because Ed was uh, introducing him to the people that he knew in the uh, movie industry, because that's where Bruce wanted to wind up. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, he, I remember him walking out to the mats. We're getting, we're coming from the back uh, dressing room, and with our jackets and shoes and stuff in our hand, and go put our shoes on and, and, and go home. And uh, he he met us about halfway, and he said, "I want you guys to be the hot young martial arts." I'm reading the exact words: "A hot young martial arts." This is Bruce Lee. Well, he could have said Ookla Gluk. I mean, we okay, fine. Mm-hmm. So we all shook hands, and uh, that, Ed got called to the uh, the phone or something, and he had to leave. And and Bruce immediately took over the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> immediately and he was telling us how he had just returned from hong kong and we were like oh wow hong kong the mecca of kung fu mm-hmm. which our, our system basically is i mean there's you know it's in part it's it's a anyhow it's chinese kind of thing so and we're like oh wow hong kong and we said well so what are the martial arts like in Hong Kong? And he said, well, uh, I've got my little imitation of Bruce. He's got a little, had a little speech impediment. And he said, well, it's uh, 95% commercial bullshit. <laughs> we were like, oh, really? Come on, holy mackerel, commercial bullshit. Okay, well, if he says that he was there, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we said, well, how about the, you know, those other guys? He said, well, half of them are twang, but they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> And we're like, all right, now we're down to two and a half percent. Uh, what about those guys? He says, oh, 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 oh. 
He says, you round eyes that get murdered going down the alley where they work out. <laughs> he, <laughs> he says, you, you'd never make it alive. And we're like, okay. Wow. Uh, triad, tongue. This was the no-nonsense part. Anyhow. Yeah. So now we're, we're talking, and he, he's showing us his, his forearm. It was like a piece of, of, of hardwood, of like metal. Wow. I mean, you, you couldn't dig your finger into it, your fingernail. I mean, it was like, what the hell is under that skin, for God's sake? <laughs> and we're just talking, and then, then he said, he dropped a bomb on us. He says, by the way, I was watching what you were doing earlier, and he demonstrated a move that we're doing in the class. And, I, you know, I wish I could remember what it was. It wasn't enough to make me say, oh, my God, our system is full of shit. But he picked something out that was definitely wrong. I mean, wrong. Well, that's what he said. We said, well, well what do you mean? And he, showed, and he says, well, I just wanted because it's wrong. And we said, well, what do you mean by wrong? He said, if I violate some part, a principle, it's no good. And we're like, you got a lot of nerve, kid, <laughs> coming in here. And, and with, with, with your, your mentor, I mean, your, your movie mentor, at least, you know, and uh, and pointing something like that out, and I was like, I was offended. Mm-hmm. And I remember Dave Hebler; he grew about three inches in height. And he kind of looked at me like, "You want him or should I take him?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, let's hear what he has to say first. <laughs> I want to hear what he what, what he thinks is wrong." Well, he proved it to us. It was in a, a bad move. Wow! It was a bad a bad. Well, I can give you an example: a short hour block, like a for, short form one, the mm-hmm. short hour block. Should not be in the system at all. It should never be taught. Should never be shown. Because first of all, you're blocking with your radio, radio uh, nerve under your arm. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You don't block with the radio nerve for your arm. You block with the radio nerve of the other guy's arm. Secondly, there is absolutely and no strength in that arm whatsoever. A 10-year-old kid can pull that arm down. Which means if somebody is blasting you, you pull that move on them, a short hour block, your head's going to get taken off. Wow. It should not be in the system. But yet they're teaching it today. Because it's in short form one. Ask wow. us if we teach it. I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> nice. No, well, we don't do short form one. Anyhow, uh, we've got our own, our own blocking uh, methods. Um, all right. So anyhow, the, the conversation kind of ended shortly after that. And I'm, I'm driving home and I'm thinking to myself, how come this punk can come in here and pick something up like that and show us and prove to us that it was wrong? <laughs> and I said, I couldn't do that. I, wow, how, how come he, all of a sudden it dawned on me? Because I'll talk to myself in, when I'm in the car alone. Mm-hmm. I talk to myself out loud all the time. And I said, how do you know you can't do it, you dumb, <laughs> whatever. You never tried. You never thought. I never thought about questioning one thing that Ed Parker taught us mm-hmm. until that night. Nice. And from then on, I took everything into consideration. If, if it's something I really care about, uh, and I, you know, somebody tells me something, I'll, I'll say, I'll smile and be nice and say yes. And, and so, but then I'll find out for sure. Is that uh, good, bad, or ugly? That's kind of cool, though. Yes, yes, it's very cool because uh, it leaves nothing to the imagination. And, and it doesn't, you know, with your background, with your background, you can walk into any dojo in the world and you can pick out, within an hour, you can pick out a couple of things that are just, you'd say to yourself, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I've done Why it. Why are they doing it? <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, of course you have. <laughs> Of course you have. And, and you probably done it while you were in the class, too. Yep. Yep. And you say to yourself, that ain't going to work. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's, that's stupid. Now, tradition, I love tradition. I love the, the way we bow on and off the mats. I love our greedy salute. I love our formal salute. I love every, everything about that, that we do until it interferes with common sense. Right. Then it's got to go. Tradition, got to go. 
because traditionally you could save your ass when you're out there in the street. That makes sense. Yep. So what, when did you like, what belt and when did teaching become something that interested you? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I could see certain things. All right. For instance, we started the class off with calisthenics. I didn't go there for calisthenics. I can't, I went there for karate. I want, I want to learn karate, not calisthenics. Mm-hmm. I can do that at home. I can do that on my own. And I thought to myself, if I ever teach, I will not start the class with calisthenics. I will start it with basics of Kempo. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll work you up a sweat doing basics a lot quicker than I will calisthenics. Nice. And then you're getting a full hour of Kempo. It's what you're paying for. Yep. And I, I just, I mean, there was just things that, that bothered me even when I was just learning. And uh, because again, I wasn't a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was already, you know, kind of long in the tooth, really. And and then when I finally uh, I made brown belt, uh, Al Tracy and I made brown belt the same night. Okay. And we were the only two that night. Uh, and they, they say that, uh, yeah, we remember Chuck being around, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their, their memories were really selective. Anyhow, <laughs> but I remember when uh, when Ed came back from San Francisco one time and he said, uh, I visited the Tracys and uh, I sanctioned their belts. And I said, well, they would have made it by now, anyhow, because they left really, when they left, they left under uh, good terms, Yeah, you know, and they didn't try to compete. They were always San Francisco and opened up and they did what they did. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. But anyhow, so there we were uh, as a brow belt. And um, well, when the, uh, when the split came, you know about the split. Everybody knows about the split. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was there. I know all about the split, believe me, because uh, I did not care for Jimmy Wu. As a teacher, I didn't care for him as a, as a person. I just, it was like, I didn't dislike him. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like him. That's all. I didn't have anything to do with him. And uh, when I walked into the into the, the dojo one night, and the kid that was in charge of it looked at me and he said, what are you doing here? And the place was empty. Mm-hmm. Normally, it would have been a buzz with activity. And it was empty. And I said, uh-oh, mm-hmm. something happened. It finally happened. Well, then I called it the next day and I said, uh, where do we go from here? And he said, can you teach? I mean, can you, can you spare some time to teach? And I did. So I, I got, got my feet wet right there. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, as a brown belt. And uh, I was just, I was just kind of pushing it. But I already had, I had, within that week, I figured up, I think I did something like about 10 lesson plans. And uh, and then I had a rotating thing of, of about 100. They didn't really work all the way, but they worked well enough. Danny Anasato still has them. I gave them to Danny, and he still got them. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We we're down to visit him not too long ago. Paul Casey and his little boy and, and us and my, my lady and so on. And, uh, yeah, he, he went up to his office. And he brought a, a, a loose-leaf binder down. And uh, there is all typewritten, all the, the stuff I gave him back in the 60s. Wow. That is really cool. So what uh, what led to the, to the decision then to open your own school? Well, it was uh, because of the uh, being so close. Uh, you know, I wanted I wanted to have it uh, near the barbershop so I could I could steer a lot of business into it. Okay, and I could bring the people that, that really wanted it uh, into it because I, I knew I couldn't get them to go to Pasadena. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to San Diego if I'd had to. Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, I'd have gone no, no matter. I mean, if it was if it was possible, I would have gone. I I, I don't you know I, it wouldn't have mattered to me. It's just that I was I was that hooked that uh, it was no I was I was gone. Uh, okay. Yeah, I would have gone. So, but mostly go on. So uh, you know, I had the place and uh, I taught one night a week and uh, and and Parker taught the other night. I went down to his West LA school and taught there. Okay. And, uh, and there, I made like. Uh, 
No, that was before. I, I was, I was, I made black. I made black September 62. Yeah. So, so you opened the school before you made black? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, I was, no, I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so long ago. I, I kind of forget. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> what led to the idea? Where, where did you come up with the idea to do distance learning? Cause that was definitely, I, I mean, I, it talks about you being, you know, the first in Kempo, but that had to have been one of the first in any martial art to do that. I mean, that's, was kind of groundbreaking at the time. And also I know a lot of people didn't think it was possible. And even up until like five years ago, people were like, Oh, you can't learn through distance. And of course COVID proved everything wrong <laughs> with that. But I mean, you were way ahead well, of way, way, way ahead of the curve on that. Right. All right. Well, by that time, this was in 1988. All right. Now Vic LaRue had been a student of mine as she started out 16 years old mm-hmm. and uh, some 50 something, so, you know, by, by the time we, we got into this thing, and uh, and he kept saying, Chuck, we gotta make videos, we gotta make videos. I said, No, we don't, no, we don't. <laughs> and and he said, No, we got to. And I said, Why? He said, Because everybody is. I said, Ask me if I care. <laughs> I don't I don't care what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so I said, Vic, you can't learn from video. I, I proved that when I made those when Ed Parker and I made those eight million films back in the in the sixties. And I, I, we, we, they, they were meant to be training films. Well, you couldn't possibly do anything with silent film. We tried. I, he did. We did teach, teach some things. Uh, he called me up one day and he said some guys from the East Coast came in and uh, they, uh, they learned the two man set, the black belt set. And uh, he said, except for a couple of minor, really minor uh, corrections, he said they had it. And I felt really good about that. Because they learned it right off that film, mm-hmm. and it was silent. But we, we broke it down and, and I mean, to to a mind to its minutia. I mean, and and they picked it up. It's fine. Well, when you're starting out with basics and and all the things that you have to learn through Campbell, you can't do it with uh, with silent film. Well, then I he's he's coming at me for the umpteenth, and I mean the umpteenth time. <laughs> Chuck, we got to make videos, and I said, Vic. Again, you can't learn by video. And then all of a sudden, I thought, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember something that happened a couple, about a year or so before. Kid came up to me in class and he said, hey, I heard something about Chuck Norris, you'll get a kick on. We didn't realize Chuck Norris and I were friends. Mm-hmm. We're friendly competitors. And I said, what is it? He said, well, he wanted more rank on his black belt, so he sent an 8 millimeter film over to his instructors. <laughs> what do you say about that? I said, I think it's brilliant. He said, wow, really? You, you think that's great? I said, yeah. I said, what's the difference if his instructors in Korea tell him what they want to see and he shows it to them on film or he shows it to them in person? I said, what's the difference? You, and you can't mess with 8 millimeter. There's no sense that he gets trick photography. Yeah. So, so he said, well, I guess that's all right. And then I said to Vic, I said, I remember we started right by my entry right in my house. And I said, you know what? Video is going to get better and better. And cheaper and cheaper because it was very expensive in those days. Mm-hmm. 88, very expensive. Just buying a video recorder was expensive. And I said, but you know what? It's going to get cheaper and cheaper and more, more and more people are going to have it. And now, of course, I'm holding my video recorder in my hand. <laughs> yeah. I never saw that coming, no. but I should have. But I, I said, you know what? I said, now, I said, if we, if we figure out exactly what we want to show and we can talk and we can verbalize. And we can show it and talk about it at the same time. Talk about heel alignment. Talk about knee heel relationship. Talk about your back straight, your head around, all these things. I said, they're going to get the neutral bowl. They're going to understand what that is. And I said, you know what? I said, I, I think today, I said, you could actually teach by video. So for the next two years, we, we did this. We, we did, you know, we got the, uh, the thing going. And I, I credit Vic with, uh, with, with really making it happen because he was bound to determine to get it done. Mm. 
I'll get halfway into something and, and find something else to do. I should go off, <laughs> go off on a tangent or something else. But he just he just kept at it so dogmatically that uh, yeah, I really credit him with uh, with with making it happen. Wow. So we, we finally uh, we finally got the first one done, and uh, we had no idea if it was going to work or not. Mm-hmm. But it works really, really, really well. And today we've got like over 600 black belts, and I'll put them up against anybody's black belt. How was it received initially? Like that, maybe the first year oh, after you. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> initially, it was like, you can't do that. You can't teach my video. Well, yes, you can. Absolutely. In fact, people have looked at our videos and, and really, you know, tore them apart as far as, uh, you know, investigating what they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had so many people come up and say, you know, I've never seen the basics explained more thoroughly than you guys do it on video. Nice. Because, you, you know, it kills me when people don't have good basics. And in so many schools, they teach you right, they stush you right up with five swords. They skip on the basics, something terrible. And, of course, we were just known as the, as the basic school. Right. We were known as the school at the time, even. I mean, the, you want to learn basics, you go to the Crenshaw Boulevard. That is cool. Because that's, uh, that's, that's where it's all at. It's all in the basics. So then when did you, uh, do you roughly remember when you decided to, to take it online? Was that a tough decision or was it, a, you know, was it, did you do it gradually? Well, no, we sold the videos for, well, from 1990 to, uh, to just a few years ago, uh, when, uh, when Vic retired, okay. we, we've been selling them and we had a, a, an organization, people could join and so on and so forth. And I said, I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't want all the work. And, and it was just the two of us running it. And, uh, I said, uh, if anybody wants to, uh, I have, I have people that I can work with. And, uh, and I, I said, put put the videos online free with the caveat that you've got to take orange belt in order to get pro belt free. You got to take pro belt test and pass it in order to get blue belt free, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you can save 600 bucks right off the bat just by, uh, by taking the, the test. Now you've got to pay for the test. And I, I know people are saying, well, we don't even charge for tests. Well, we do, but we don't charge for teaching. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so so um, uh, the, the way it is now, I like it the way it is now. I yeah. mean, if you're really serious, because it, it's for serious practitioners. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're really serious, yeah, you get the whole, the whole set of uh, videos for free. But you take the test and you pass each one. And, and with the test, of course, you get a lesson on what you did, either right or wrong. Nice. In most cases, it's wrong, but we'll compliment you on what you do right, too. Yeah. We will mention that. So yeah, you get that. And of course, it's geared 100% to you. Mm-hmm. It's not like beginning of the class. Yeah. You know, Ed Parker said something once. He said, consider the corrections I make on, on John and Pete and Harry and Joe that I'm making them on you. Because chances are you're doing the same thing wrong yourself. But they're doing it a little worse than you're doing it. So I picked them out. Or if I make it on you, they should be paying attention. I'm, I'm correcting you. He's that way. He's, every class is a private lesson. Nice. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, very cool. So I did. And from that time on, I did. Of course, he also said other things. That, that uh, One of the things that, that really resonated with me, of course, is what he said, I'd rather have 10 techniques I can fight with than 100 that fight me. Yeah. And then, of course, he went ahead and taught 280 techniques. So then yeah. the way your website works then, so the, the, the very first video is free. And then if they pay for the test, then they get the, the, the second two, video the two, free? Two videos. Two yeah, videos. No, or, okay. Yeah, or, uh, Yellow Belt and Orange Belt are free. Okay. And then from then on, well, they're all free. But yeah. From then on, yeah. you take the test and pass it. And uh, and as far as the uh, the, uh, the organization, uh, I changed that at the time to uh, uh, just black belts. You got your, your membership uh, when you made black belt. Okay. And it didn't cost you anything. So I don't, I don't know what the, I've, I've now got the two other guys that are, are, are 
taking over the, the organization slowly. We're working together, and uh, they're doing a, a magnificent job. Very cool. And I will definitely put links for all that out there when the episode comes out because that's, oh, that's, a, that's a really great. cool, I mean, it's a really cool idea. And and like I said, I know I've seen some of the videos and, and I love the way you guys break it down and teach it. And You know, that's you know. funny because I thought to myself, I, we need a 360 degree view. And, uh, and I thought, how in the hell am I going to get a 360 degree view in a garage? <laughs> so, I mean, you to see my workbench. You can see all the things you don't see in the, <laughs> on the uh, the videos. And then all of a sudden, I thought to myself, "Wait a minute! I don't need to go around myself 360 degrees. All I got to do is turn to the four corners of the, of the compass. <laughs> there you show go. Show the front, the sides, and the back. Yep. How cool can you get? <laughs> That's right. This is so funny. I'm I'm really trying to think of how the camera is going to do the 360 degree <laughs> turn all around me or us. You know. <laughs> That's funny. It's so simple. So think back then to that very first class you taught as a brown belt to now. Over the, all those years, what do you think has changed the most about your teaching style? Not much about my teaching style. Really? Really? No, not really at all. Uh, you, you watch what the people are doing and uh, you, you guide them along as, as best you can. Uh, my teaching style, oh, I've, I've had some fun things as a teacher. I uh, I had a uh, student that was Big John Walker was his name. And... Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but Big John had just come out from seven years of San Quentin. <laughs> and, but he was, he didn't belong there, really. I mean, uh, he did because of what he had done, but, but he didn't because of, of who he was. He was not a criminal. And, and he didn't have a criminal mind. He was raised by a criminal. And he was raised by the uh, second second most notorious con man in the history of the country. Okay. Pierre Lafitte was his name. Anyhow, uh, so John had done some bad things. So, but he came out. And he was studying, and he had a, a young man with him, and I'm teaching him teaching blocking. And I'm teaching him, uh, I don't know, in or out, as a block. And, um, and, and his, his hand kind of timidly went up, and I said, yes, John, what? He says, does this really work? And I said, well, yeah, we're here. And I, I'm like, oh, my God. He's looking at me, you know, five seven, five eight, whatever. At that time, probably about 145 pounds. And, uh, and he's thinking... One swipe, and this dude's going across La Cienega Boulevard against traffic. <laughs> I mean, he's just, I would take him and just, just wipe like, like he ain't even, so I'm thinking, okay. I said, well, John, I said, um, now you're going to have to throw on me. So, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. He said, no, 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 John, it's all right. It's all right. But you have to, because now, now you got me wondering, and I can't afford to wonder. I can't afford that. I either got to, got to be confident in, in what this, this stuff does or not. So I said, now, I'm going to set the block. I said, you throw into it. If you get past it, you take my head off. But remember this. I've been hit before. I'll be hit again. And it's not your fault. It's on me if I get hit. So don't don't lay it up. Now throw it hard. Throw it as hard as you want. Oh, he, he winds up. He throws. I think I moved about three inches my whole body. I mean, I slid. Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big man. Big man. And uh, I said, uh, want to do it again? He said, no. <laughs> I said, uh, are, you, are you satisfied with that? He said, yeah. So okay. Let's go. So we went out with the class. Well, about five years later, we're out someplace because John stayed with us and he made black belt. And then um, we're out at some tournament or some demonstration or something. And we stopped on the way back for some pizza and beer. And John couldn't tolerate anything alcoholic. Well, that night he had a beer. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember him looking across the table at me. And all of a sudden, we're, we're talking and laughing. And he, he points his hair at me. He says, you know, you really pissed me off one time. <laughs> and I and I did. I mean, we're friends by now. We're, we're tight friends, you know. I said, well, what, what do you mean when? He says, you were that night over in Las Vegas Boulevard when, when I asked you about a block. I said, oh, 
I remember that. He says, yeah, you remember that? He says, well, you killed my arm. <laughs> and I said, what? He says, you killed my arm. He said, you know what I do for a living? Well, he was a sound man for ABC TV, and he, oh. he twists the dials. Okay. He said, he holds a boom mic, and he says, he says, I was damn near, I couldn't damn near not be able to do my job. Oh, wow. he says, which I thought I was going to have to, you know, get into another line of work, which we would have hated because he loved what he did. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, John, I said, that wasn't my power. That was your power transferring back on you. And he says, I know that now, but I didn't know it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. Oh, that's a good time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What made you decide to write your book? I was just reading about it. I know when you first talked about it, I went and looked it up, and I'm definitely going to be ordering that next payday because that okay. uh, looks really uh, interesting. Well, just lots of stuff we're talking about yeah, right here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what it started out to be was uh, because of, we had the newsletter, and then when I when I you know made the the taste free and all like that, uh, I, I the newsletter went down. I was writing it, and uh, that was kind of a job. Every quarter, you know, to come up with a, a whole newsletter. And we were mailing it out in those days. So it had to be printed. And so I back. Well, I did it on my own printer. But anyhow, we had to bind them up, staple them, and um, send them out and everything. And, and wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, let me, okay, yes. So I, I said, I, I don't want to do that anymore. And I did. Well, now that the guys are, are taking this back over and they're, they're going to reinstitute the newsletter, uh, I said, well, I, what I'll do is I'll write a story for each newsletter. And so each installment comes out, people can read it. And uh, I, this, I'll give you like a couple of years worth. Mm-hmm. So even after I'm gone, they still got stuff to, you know, to print. And uh, in fact, I already intended to give more than a couple of years worth. I think right now it's you know, 15 years. <laughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. So then I, I said, you know, I hate installments. I don't like to watch installments on TV, and I would hate reading installments. So I said, I'll put them all in a, in a, in a book. And uh, it's, well, what do we got here? Got 100 and 158 pages. Okay. Yeah. And so just not, not, not a big book. It's got it's, it's some uh, photographs. I didn't do it to make any money. That's why I, I put the price at 10 bucks. $10 is, is like a, a dollar used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very reasonable. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and people have been, uh, they, they told me that, uh, you know, they're enjoying the heck, the heck out of it because uh, it's fun reading it, it read because it's everything we're talking about. Yeah. And I love reading books. I just, since I started the podcast, I don't get to read as often as I used to, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I do love reading, especially martial arts stuff. So I will add that to uh, my Since my vision has got what it is, I, I enjoyed reading too, but it's, it's so difficult now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got glasses and all, but they just yeah. I'm gonna get another pair. <laughs> just just see if they get approval on these. So you know, you're you've been doing this for a long time. What are your thoughts on something like uh, MMA and the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of? No, I'm not a fan of boxing either. I think it's brutal. I oh, think uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know you're brutalizing each other. Uh, you, there, you can compete in, in other things. Uh, you don't have to beat each other up. Or kill each other. It's it's. Uh, I don't like it. The MMA. Well, I'll give you a story about the MMA. Okay. One of our our black belts, big dude, big rasty dude. Uh, he's uh, uh he was about a fifth degree. Well, he, he went into the MMA for two and a half years. Wanted to find out just how bad he was. <laughs> well, he's pretty bad. He had a he had a very reputable uh, record. And uh, at the end of two and a half years, he said, "Well, that's enough of that." Okay. Now he's on his day job. And uh, had to go out to the Dempsey dumpster and, and dump some stuff. And him and a ho- uh, homeless guy, another big nasty dude, he says there were words exchanged. And he says, then all of a sudden, he says there were punches exchanged. Wow. And I, I looked at him and I said, well, <laughs> he didn't exactly come out unscathed, did you? And he says, no, no, but I got three good kicks in. I said, to what? He says, the body. Couldn't kick him in the groin. 
These are his exact words. It never occurred to me. Oh, wow. I said, what? <laughs> it ne- I, then I, I, I came back, I got on my computer, and I, I started dissecting our, our techniques. Uh, the 55 techniques, well, we actually have 60 because we included uh, yellow belt. Uh, the 60 techniques we have, 21 of them start with a kick to the groin. <laughs> wow. Or a strike to the groin. Start with it. Eight more included. How in the hell could anybody, they drilled it right out of them. So when somebody asks me about MMA, they, they, there's some bad news there. I mean, you, you watch it. There's, you know, I wouldn't want to tackle them. I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, we do everything that they cannot do. And we do it first. Right. You can't stick a finger in an eye in an MMA. You can't bite off an ear. You can't knee them in the groin. You can't, you can't hit the groin. I mean, you can't, you know, all the things that they cannot do. We do that first. That makes sense. So okay. you didn't do it with an MMA guy, MMA guy. You just go for the throat, go for the eyes, go for the grind, and leave. He gets away for the ambulance. You get to go home. Yeah. In all your years of martial arts, your over 60 years martial arts journey you had, is there one philosophy you've learned that is at the top of your list? Philosophy. Mm-hmm. Be first. Nice. I like Absolutely. That. You know, we, uh, we, we don't, uh, and we, we practice techniques uh, quite often. Well, you know, you know about our dummies, our life-size dummies. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the reason that uh, that I built them to begin with, I designed them to begin with, was uh, a student came up to me one time. This is early on. This is this is our pressure Boulevard, and he, he said to me, "Can I talk to you for a minute?" Sure. So he said, uh, "I got into it over the weekend, and I went to kick this guy in the groin, and I missed." I said, "What do you mean you missed?" He said, well, I didn't kick him in the groin. So what did you kick him in the leg or the bladder? What? He says, no, I didn't kick him at all. I did, I did what we do here. Well, my blood ran cold. And I thought to myself, holy mackerel. I'm not teaching these people to kick. I'm teaching them to not kick. Well, I'm teaching them to kick, but I mean to not hit a target. I figured I, it, it just, I couldn't believe that he couldn't switch from what he, where he was into killer we kill mode. Yeah, I just I couldn't believe that, but but here it was, and and I I got another story about that too. I mean, it's it's been proven to me that well, I haven't I can't tell you how many times I've heard the expression as you train them the dojo, so you will do on the street. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you practice coming up short with every blow that you do because you can't hit your your student because that's too damned expensive, yeah. <laughs> you run out of students in a hurry, and and that's all you practice, and that's all you that's all you do. That's where you're very, very likely to do on the street. Yeah. I've always said to myself, oh, no, no, that wouldn't happen to me. How do I know? Yeah. I don't know. Really? Well, yes, I, I know because I hit those dummies. I kick them as hard as I can, and I hit them as hard as I can, and I hit them as, as fast and as often as and as, with as, as blended as moves as I can get. And when you start hitting things, at first you go in the air because you're doing air tempo. Well, after you start hitting things, you go boom, 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 and, and you're, it, the motion just stops with the strikes. Well, after a while, you that that picks up again. You start to put it, and you blast them, and you're you're not blasting one, two, three, four. You go, what is wrong? What is wrong? That makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Oh, oh, yes, it does. It makes here again. You know, if it ain't logical, I don't do it. Yeah, I guess that would be my philosophy. If it's not logical, we won't do it. And we are willing. We are willing to change anything at any time. You come to me and you show me one of our techniques, and you say, you know, if you just did this, I'll tell you one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really. It's kind of a well. I wish he hadn't done it, but but he did. So I, it's he it really did, and, and it happened. And we're driving back from West LA to uh, Pasadena one night. I don't know why my car was in Pasadena, and I was traveling around with Ed Parker. Well, I think I do remember, but anyhow, we're planning one of the uh, internationals, and uh, so I, I was able to spend the day with him. So on the way back, 
uh, even with his lead foot, it takes like 45 minutes or, or <laughs> 50 minutes to get there. And we got to talking about um, death. And I, I said, Ed, you do two hammer fists with, with the hammer, the, the hammer fist, one to the kidneys and one to the groin. I said, you can't hit the groin with a hammer fist that way. But all you got to do is turn it over and your arm will bend that way. It doesn't bend the other way. Try feeding yourself the other way if you can't bend your arm. But you bend it and it'll go right up his kazoo and you can hit, you, your arm can't miss his groin. So he's arguing, no, Chuck, he's, you don't understand. It's what you do with the leg first. I said, no, Ed, you don't understand. You're the only one that does that. I watched that line do it, and, I, and nobody does that thing with the leg. I can't do it. Nobody does it. They don't hit the groin. They think they are, but they're not. They're deceiving themselves, and they're not going to get hung up in a headlock. And the next thing you know, they're going to get taken to the ground and then face smash in the, in the pavement. And I said, because it doesn't work. And, and so he said, no, he, said, he argued. We got all the way up to Pasadena. It's midnight. We get out of the car and in his driveway, I'm putting headlocks on him. He's putting headlocks on me. And I said, Ed, all you got to do is just, you know. And I said, now, I put a headlock on him. He barely got to the groin. I said, turn your hand over. Well, then it was just, I mean, you know, his exact words were, you're right. I'm going to change it. Wow. And he never did. <laughs> really? He never changed. Wow. I never saw Ed Parker change. Not one thing in one technique he ever created. Wow. Yep. We have, our system has been alive for like 33 years now, and we have changed about 12 things and many bad for okay. 33 years. Yeah. And we look for them. We yeah. look for changes. I was going to ask how, like how many of your techniques in your system are the original way that you learned them from Ed Parker? None. Wow. It's altered and, really. and modified that much. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's good. Yeah. Even, uh, even Crenshaw, I mean, um, yeah, we, we called it, uh, five count. It was, it was five count that it was five swords. And, um, when, when he named the techniques, I didn't want to name the techniques because I thought that was kind of like plagiarizing Ed Parker. And then I remember he gave, he gave me a book. It was all in Chinese and somebody had written in English, the, under the caption under each, uh, under each picture. And I thought that's where he got the idea. And I, I looked heavenly and heavenwards. And I said, thank you, Ed. And so we, we named our techniques. So instead of the third one for Brown and the fourth one for green and, you know, we, we gave them names and we did it by making it a contest. We, we set out a, uh, a code like uh, a backless was, uh, was uh, serpent strike, uh, a punch was thunder, a kick was, uh, kick was lightning, and so on, and, and all the things. So you tried to make it either you tried to name the technique for what it does or where it hits or who's doing it or whatever, dragons in a wedge. I mean, that's two people trying to attacking you. And anyhow, uh, we uh, we put it out there in our newsletter and we got we got submissions from all over the world. And then we sat in my garage one day in our dojo and, and we uh, one rainy one rainy day eating pizza and, and drinking beer and uh, we, we voted on them. <laughs> I think Vic and I got like six. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and everybody else got, got all the rest of them. But uh, that's how they got named. It wasn't just us. It was everybody. Everybody had a, had a hand in it. That's cool. It was fun. So one, one quick question uh, on your learning system that, you know, I, I've had people ask me about different ones over the years, whether it's your style or someone else's. In your opinion, will it work better for someone if they do it with a partner? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. You got to have a partner. Okay. Yes. You do. All right. Yes. That's, that is a must because then eventually you have to freestyle. Yeah. You've got to show us your, your freestyle ability. I mean, uh, we don't just take it for granted. So what, what suggestion would you have for someone who maybe doesn't have like a friend who wants to do it and they still want to learn? What would you recommend? Uh, 
that's really tough. Uh, you got to have a partner. I mean, you, if you have to advertise in the paper <laughs> to get a partner. That's actually I've not a bad people, idea. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of people going and putting the ad up in the, in the, uh, in fact, Big John Walker did it. Okay. He says, but then he says, I, I want to teach the kid more than, you know, we were, <laughs> He said, like, I just hired him to throw punches at me. And he said, they say, I know I'm teaching him. I said, of course you are. He got intrigued. Okay, that's cool. But uh, yeah, but uh, now one of our guys went to a, uh, a school in Florida where he lived. And uh, he told him, I just, I need some somebody to freestyle with. Can I come in here and pay you and just freestyle? And the guy said, sure. So he took his money and he had him come in there. Well, before you know it, the guys that were asking this, this one of our students, Alan, and they're, they're asking him, well, where are you studying? This, that, and he tells him, well, my video and so on. Really? <laughs> you learned all that by video? Because he said there was only one guy in the, in the school to keep up with him. Nice. And he said, that, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't the instructor. <laughs> and he said, finally, he said, they're asking me so many questions. The instructor called him in the one night when he got there and he said, uh, listen, you're either with us or against us. <laughs> and Alan said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, against you. I'm not against you. Well, and you're not with us either. And Alan, he says, so it's either them or us, or them or me. And Alan says, well, I've seen you move, and I've seen them move. And he says, see ya. <laughs> and uh, and, and he's the guy stood up behind his desk, and Alan was like, you want a thump? You really want to do this? And he, he sat back down. <laughs> wow. So, That's funny. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right, I have some fun questions to wrap up the interview. Now, this one, it doesn't necessarily have to be four. I've had people give as few as two answers and as many as eight, so it's kind of up to you. But if you could give three, four, five names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. Ed Parker, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. In in the early days, because he was he was so influential on, on my learning, Jimmy Ebrow was, was excellent. Rich Montgomery was the first, uh, the first person to make black belt through Ed Parker. Okay. And uh, uh, Rick Flores was second, Jimmy Rose third. And when Rich made it, there were there was only one black belt in the country, and that was Ed Parker. Wow! And there was only one one black belt, obviously, in Kempo. And uh, I never thought I'd ever get beyond Brown. And uh, that's what we all were at that time. And then Rich Montgomery made black, and we could hear the door creaking <laughs> 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 open. It opened the door, obviously, for the rest of us. And and that you know, it had to it had to be that way. So they were, they were just, they were excellent, excellent. Chuck Norris is, is, uh, is, is a great guy. Yes. I, I saw him get knocked cold one time Wow. and get up and beat the guy. Wow. Yep. Get up after getting knocked out and they wanted to disqualify the guy. He said, no, he said, oh, no, he said, I ran into it. He, said, he didn't <laughs> knock me out. I knocked myself out. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, Chuck is, is, is a good guy. Bill Rusaki was, was, uh, a, a great guy too also. Okay. Um, I, I've known so many people. I mean, my own people, Stacy Pacasha, he's the, he's the next, uh, chief of police down here in, uh, in Seal beach. Um, he's still with me, Carl okay. Shalio, grandmaster, Chuck Boyd, grandmaster, uh, all these guys. I mean, they hung up with me since the sixties. I've met so many great people. I can't even really begin to, to, to count them all. Yeah. Uh, they're just, they're just wonderful people. And, uh, and they all have the same philosophy of, uh, I don't know one of them that's, that's ever picked a fight. Nice. So they just don't do that. Yeah, something tells me if you, if you had time, you'd probably have the largest Mount Rushmore in my show's history. So you, <laughs> just with, you, with, yeah, your, with your career. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many people I can mention. Okay. All right. Other than your own, what is your favorite martial arts book? Probably The Journey with uh, from Tom Bleeker. Love it. Tom was actually my first guest on the podcast. Yeah, Tom has done some great, uh, some yeah. great work, some great interviews. Uh, he's uh, he's just he's great at what he does, and 
he continues. He just keeps on going. Yeah, he's a phenomenal author. I've read. He's he's actually when I I interviewed him and he probably sent me about six more guests. So that's mm. he put me mm-hmm. in touch. He put me in touch with, with uh, Rick Avery. He put me in touch with Donnie Williams. So yeah, I've got some really good oh, in, I interviews. Steve, I forget Steve Muhammad. My God, oh, yes, Steve. Uh, Steve Sanders. Yep. Back in the day, you know, it's kind of funny. I was I was watching Steve because most of the time I, I couldn't watch him because I was fighting. Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would fight uh, every Tuesday or Thursday or whatever, whatever nights we worked out. And uh, I'd be sitting there. I mean, I worked all day. Well, I guess he did too. So yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't really. <laughs> but I was a little older than him anyhow. And he'd be, he'd be kicking my feet. Yeah, come on, Chuck, come on. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Steve, I'm tired. I say, <laughs> all right, we'll do it again. Well, I was watching him one time. And um, when he sat down next to me, he's, uh, I, I said to him, do you know that you never put your, your rear heel down? He said, I don't. I said, no, you never put your rear heel down. Well, I experimented with that. And that changed our neutral boat. Oh, wow. Because raising your rear heel loads up your rear leg. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard the expression, but caught flat-footed? Yes. Oh yeah. Well, that's what our neutral bow is, flat footed. Okay. You raise that rear heel, it makes you about thirty percent faster. Nice. And all your maneuvers. Try it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, Steve Steve, he's one I'd love to interview. Oh god. I'd love yeah, to chat well, with him. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, he turned it he turned it on his head, man. He was yeah, as a matter of fact, he, he got so good so fast. There's there's things that he missed wow. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. He just started beating everybody up. So he, <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to do what you did. You know, you just yep. had to. You couldn't say no. I remember Curtis Pulliam was one of these as these guys. Curtis looked at the at the white belt division. He came to me and he said, Chuck, that white belt division is a killer. Let me let me fight brown belt. I said, You think you're ready to fight those guys? He said, Yeah. <laughs> well, he won the division. <laughs> wow. So the next year he comes back and he says, Chuck, he says, He's like, the brown belt division don't look that tough. He's only if like black belt division. So I, I give him a black belt and I didn't promote him. Well, I did afterwards, obviously, yeah. because he won the, uh, he won his, uh, his, his weight division wow. in, uh, in black belt. So yeah, we had, we had some, uh, we had some real, some real killers. Yeah. I had, I had a friend like that. My, my good friend, Damien, uh, he, he quit martial arts, unfortunately, but when he, I remember when he was a, when he was a purple belt. And my instructor, he was so, one of the most just naturally talented, gifted martial artists that I ever met in my life personally. And he's the one who came to California with me in 95 to go to the Long Beach tournament. But uh, he entered a tournament one time and my instructor's like, he, he's like, you're too good. I can't have you fight other purple belts. And he put him in black belt division just to give him more challenge. And he won black belt division as a purple belt. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's, it's, you know, when you, when you see someone like that, you know it. I mean, there's just something special about him. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I remember when Steve, uh, we were we had brought our guys out to the West LA school and from Crenshaw, and uh, at the end of the evening, this this uh, skinny little guy comes up to me. He says, uh, "Excuse me," he says, "Where do you guys work out?" I said, "On Crenshaw Boulevard, uh, Southwest LA." He says, "That's my backyard. Where?" <laughs> and I told him on Forbes Avenue. Whoa, whoa! He says, "Can I transfer?" And I said, "Well, this isn't exactly the public school system. No, you can't transfer. But as soon as you get done here, it's still in Ned Parker School. Yeah, come on up." So he did. That, that was that was that's all there was to it. That's awesome. Nice. All right. Do you have a favorite martial arts TV show? Wow, TV show? No, I can't say I do. Really? I, I I really I I kind of hate all martial arts on TV and, and movies because they do the impossible. Yeah. And, uh, and I hate that to be that, I hate to see it represented that way. You know, you jump in the air, you spin three times, you kick four guys, you come back down, you slam three more guys. And, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, with, uh, with cutting, just, just playing cutting, uh, you, you, you can do the impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just stand there and jump over an eight foot fence. 
All you got to do is you see your feet leave, get a fence that's about a foot high, jump over it, and see your feet land. And there's your three cuts. And you've just jumped. You, people will think that they saw you jump over the fence. Yep. So I, I really, I'm not a fan of martial arts movies. I, uh, I, I love Billy Jack. Oh, nice. Okay. That's a I good love one. Billy Jack. Yep. Yeah. Because, uh, he didn't do anything that was impossible. Yeah. He just said, well, I'm going to take this right foot and put it right up alongside your head. <laughs> you can do about it. <laughs> That's right. And he did. <laughs> yep. That one's been picked a few times, actually. So a lot of people like Billy Jack. Yep. Yep. Now the rest of them, I, I just, I, I don't, in fact, I, I don't, I don't like him. I don't go see him. So what were your thoughts then on the perfect weapon? Do you think they represented Kempo pretty well on screen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as as well it could as it could be. Yeah. It, again, it was you know a little bit of the impossible, but but basically they uh, they kept it pretty real. And uh, Jeff was at the top of his game at the time. Oh, I got a funny story about Jeff. Okay. I I guess one night we were working out at West LA School. This is after they switched over to another location just across the street and on Sepulveda Boulevard. And I'm I'm being paired up with Jeff, and we're doing some techniques or whatever. And I, I'm noticing that, that he's awful heavy-handed, and I, I never knew him to be that way. I mean, he had control, and then I realized he was getting a kick out of it. And and he was, I think, I think what it was was he was kind of like just doing a little testing on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to see how long I was I was going to stand for that, or if I was going to go snivelly to Mister Parker and say, what, "What's going on with him?" or whatever. And I, I it was like, "Okay, you want to play? You want to play games? Go we'll play games." So I started, I started thumping him back. <laughs> and then he got a little heavier and I got a little heavier and finally you realize we just start hurting each other. <laughs> and, and it was, and he was just doing it for fun and he, he busts out laughing and he said, Sullivan, he says, we may have to get married. And I said, Stephen, <laughs> you wouldn't live through the honeymoon. <laughs> That's awesome. When he said married, I said, oh, there's gotta be a honeymoon here someplace. <laughs> That's never awesome. lived through it. <laughs> He's a good guy. I got to interview yeah. him too. He's he was a guest about yep. a year ago and super nice, super fun to talk to. So I've had really yep. really good luck with the Kempo people. They, they they pretty much always say yes, which is good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So our final question. This one you maybe you don't have an answer for because you said you're not really a fan of you know martial arts and movies. Now this doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. Any movie you've ever seen a favorite fight scene? Well, again, Billy Jack because it was so brief. Okay. And he just he said what he was going to do and did it. Yep, and uh, and and I liked it also for the fact that he didn't triumph. Yeah, because when like four four or five guys jumped him, they were wailing on him finally, mm-hmm. and uh, and he did what he did, and he did it as long as he could, and that was realistic, and I, I appreciate that realism. Now, in, in my movie, uh, I have one fight scene that lasts about three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. a Kempo technique. Yeah, and if you know the system, you pick it out right away. You know exactly what it is. That's awesome. I had actually, when I was a kid, I hadn't seen Billy Jack. I actually, before I saw Billy Jack, I saw the movie and maybe you haven't seen this, but do you, do you remember the early eighties movie? They call me Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. I saw that first. And then I saw Billy Jack. Of course I was a kid and I was like eight, nine years old. And I thought Billy Jack was copying. <laughs> they call me Bruce. I didn't realize it had come out years before when he's like, you know, with this foot, I'll hit, I'll kick your head. And with this hand, I'll punch your face. You know, I thought Billy, right. Jack, I thought Billy Jack was copying them. <laughs> I was like yeah. was many, many years <laughs> later when I realized they were kind of spoofing Billy Jack. Yeah. Well, the, what they did in Billy Jack made sense. Yes, and, and it was it was done so well. Bon Suhan did it, and uh, and he just did a, a terrific job. Yes, 
So uh, Tom Laughlin uh, took credit for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. One of my favorite movie fight scenes is, is, is like you said, it's fast and brief. The first Born Identity with Matt Damon. The scene, if you've seen that one, the scene when he's sleeping on the park bench and the two officers wake him up and they use their, like, you know, their stick and try to hit him and he uh, catches it uh, and just, like, it's like five seconds, <laughs> three seconds. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, when I first saw it, I'm like, God, that reminded me of American Kempo almost. <laughs> it's like just fast and, and explosive. Enter the Dragon was fun. It, yes. it was it was a fun movie. Yes. Uh, it, uh, it, it it spoofed quite a bit. So, uh, you know, Bruce was uh, was a kind of comedian and uh, he was capable of uh, of doing comedy. Some of the Jackie Chan stuff is, is very good also. Oh, yeah. I love Jackie Chan. So, uh, so talented. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good people out there. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, Chuck, I got to tell you, man, this has been a blast. Like I said, I've wanted to do this for a while. I'm glad I was finally able to, to get in touch with you and we were able to hear this. And like I said, when the episode comes out, I will put links out there for, for your, your website and your book and, and anything else you need me to. And, and it's, it's been so much fun hearing you tell the stories yourself and I can't wait to read the book, but I, it's, I can't wait for people to hear the episode. I think they're really going to enjoy this. I hope so. It's been, you know, my philosophy on the, on the, everything I've done is when it quits being fun, I'll quit doing it. So far, I'm I'm still having a ball. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Oh, oh. When it gets to be a job, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I've been retired for since '95, so I don't need to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and get. What I get do, that. Done, it, it ain't work. I definitely get that. So cool. Well, I, I truly, truly appreciate it. And I, I can't wait to get this out. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for your time. I appreciate it too. Uh, this was fun. It was as much fun as writing the book. I had, I had a ball writing the book. Thanks for listening to everyday martial artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also be sure to check out our website at everyday there you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.